This is Free Talk Live. Ooh, Mike's a little hot there. Anyway, it's Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. We're going to start start things out here tonight with a story that we knew was coming. We just didn't know quite when. Of course, Free Talk Live has been covering the in, ah, the impending police state here, or some might argue the existing police state, for the past several years on the show, ever since, uh, certainly since we've been on the air pretty much. We've been watching the progression as things get more and more restrictive out there. I mean, even just last night we were talking about a new law that says in Canton, Ohio, if your grass grows too high, you'll be subject to up to 30 days in jail. So don't think that just because you're not a terrorist or a drug dealer that you're going to be exempt, or an immigrant, that you'll be exempt from the persecution out there. They have a law that everyone... I mean, there's a good chance you break several laws, and you don't even know about it. So not only do we see this piddly crap, these little silly laws like the uh, grass growing too high, do we see those proliferating throughout the United States and the enforcement of them? I mean, they may have been on the books before, but now they're being enforced to the point of in Utah, a woman wasn't taking care of her yard correctly. She's in her 70s. She was tackled by a cop as a result of it. Unbelievable. Uh, Because I guess she didn't want to go to jail over it all. And... So we've been watching the progression or regression, whatever you want to call it, the, the rise of the police state. And, of course, the airports are the place to really look to, to see exactly what it is they would like to do, what, what the government people that want to micromanage and control every single aspect of your life, how much control they would like. Well, just look to the airports to see exactly what they want. They want checkpoints everywhere. They want armed bureaucrats demanding to know who you are, where you're going, where you're coming from, and they want them in as many places as they possibly can get them. Now, up until recently, they only really had an excuse to do it in the airports because, well, the whole terrorism thing. And so that's where they've been really concentrating their efforts. But there have been instances where we've seen them expand out already. We've seen them uh, in an instance last year in Indianapolis. They had TSA agents come out to city bus stops. Not all of them, but some city bus stops nearby uh, special government facilities, for instance. And, you know, that was pretty scary. Then, of course, you've got the Border Patrol, which is setting up internal checkpoints. Not just checkpoints on the northern and southern borders, but checkpoints that roam within 50 miles of the northern and southern borders we've seen that we've seen people be, we've seen video footage of people being stopped and demanded to know what their citizenship is and i had predicted that eventually we were going to see more checkpoints in the streets not just the border checkpoints because that's the excuse there was all the immigrants right but now we are seeing checkpoints in the streets and there's no border to be seen anywhere nearby This one's in Washington, D.C. The story is from the Washington Post. In fact, it's being reported on in uh, quite a few places, as it should be. D.C. Police Chief Kathy Lanier announced a military-style checkpoint yesterday. And that's a whole other issue. Is You know, another hallmark of the police state is when the police stop acting like Andy Griffith 
and start acting like, you know, the military police. The Gestapo. And we've seen that progression, too, over the last few decades. Ever since the creation of the SWAT team in the early 80s, the police departments around America, even in the smallest of towns, have become more and more militarized, wearing black clothing and carrying machine guns and stuff like that, and driving tanks. There used to be a TV series called SWAT in the 70s, I believe it was, and it kind of glorified that whole process. You remember seeing there, reruns of that? I uh, no, I'm probably a little too young for for SWAT, but I, I I know they did remake that into a film in the last ten years. And Hollywood has always glorified the police. I mean, it's certainly there are some you know like police academy movies that kind of make fun that poke fun, but for the most part, Hollywood is pretty worshipful towards the police and especially the military. So here here we go. Uh, here's the next step in the police state. I mean, if you don't think this is a total police state. America is a total police state. It's just because you haven't been paying attention. It's just because you're lucky to not have to live in Washington, D.C. or in certain neighborhoods in D.C. where they're going to be clamping down on all traffic in and out of the neighborhoods. According to the D.C. police chief, she announced a military-style checkpoint uh, to stop cars over the weekend in a northeast Washington neighborhood inundated by gun violence, saying it'll help keep criminals out of the area. Now, there are so many failures we can focus on here, Wayne, as far as government failures are concerned. It's going to... This is pretty comprehensive. I mean, as far as what's causing all of these problems in the first place and what are they doing to respond to it. I'm sorry. I thought guns were outlawed in Washington, D.C. How in the world could they possibly be having gun crime problems? Hmm. These mm. people are doing it illegally? You mean if you outlaw things that the outlaws don't really give a flip and they're going to go ahead and get their gu- their hands on as many guns as they want to and shoot whoever they want? And that means the law-abiding citizens are unarmed. Precisely. And so as a result of that, what we're seeing happen, and don't forget to factor in the war on drugs here, which gives criminals a reason to kill one another. Big time. So probably you've got gangs shooting at other gangs over drug territory and drug customers. And so if we didn't have drug prohibition, which is a government-created problem, a government-created solution to a prob- the problem of drug use, if we didn't have prohibition, we wouldn't have as much violence. And if the, ga- the gun control legislation wasn't in place in D.C. and regular citizens were able to arm themselves, then they'd be able to defend themselves when the criminals came around. And the criminals would think twice, as they do up here in New Hampshire. We don't have a problem with gun violence up here in New Hampshire. And it's because, not because D.C. has different people in it, it's because the incentives are different. Well, law-abiding people up here pack heat. Exactly. So criminals don't know what to expect. They know that there's a chance that they might encounter the barrel of a forty-five if they try to mess with somebody up here. Or bigger. Sure, but down there, they know that odds are real slim that that person that they target for whatever violence or theft, they know that odds are slim that person is going to be packing heat. And so they feel real comfy with just doing whatever it is they want to. So the problem of crime that the police chief is citing here, the problem of violent crime, was created by the government policies. But what do you get in response? Same thing government always does. Government sees a problem, attempts to fix that problem with its stupid, mandatory, one-size-fits-all, uh, one-size-fits-all arbitrary rules, 
Turns out their little solve for the problem didn't work at all. Turns out it actually caused more problems. Turns out, it, and this happens in every government program. It's not just policing. It's everywhere because force always has unintended consequences. So it turns out that they end up getting the opposite of their original intentions. They originally wanted to stop gun crime, so they outlawed guns. Turns out that just made it so the outlaws had guns, so gun crime increases. Well, what happens next? Gun crime's on the increase. They never think that, hmm... Let's try letting people arm themselves. They never go back in the in the original direction toward freedom. It's always, okay, what's the next step we can take as far as being a police state to stop th- these things that we allegedly don't want to be happening? And what they've decided to do at this point is set up roadblocks and check every single person coming and going from certain areas. Well, there's some local bloggers down there that have some interesting comments on this. Has it started already, or are they starting it over the weekend? Oh, they've started already. Okay. Uh, one of them... Uh, a DCist uh, mocked the proposal and its defenders. Quote, Interim Attorney General Peter Nichols actually said that measures of this sort have been used in other cities, the blog noted. Which cities are those, Mr. Nichols? Warsaw? Libertarian <laughs> blogger Me- Megan McArdle asked, Where the hell am I living? DC has had a spate of violence recently, and I applaud the police department's urge to do something. However, this something seems to follow the, the logic outlawed by outlined by brian kaplan one something must be done two this is something three therefore this must be done Mm, (laughs) sounds like the patriot act doesn't it crime tears the tears the fabric of society but so does a government which believes that it may at any time control the movements of its citizens like so many presumptively suspicious sheep pretty disgusting let me continue here with uh, the Washington Post. And, of course, you're welcome to chime in here at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. They're going to get away with this, most likely. Odds are good the folks in these neighborhoods aren't going to challenge the police state that's being put upon them. And if they do get away with it, you can expect to see this pop up in other places. You can expect that uh, other police departments are going to take a look at this and they're going to say, hey, they got away with it. Let's try it here, too. Could be coming to you soon. Free Talk Live. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there are free, so enjoy those on us. And they include the Shrine of Female listeners, dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com. See our newest Shriner, Whitney, and all of the other dozens of ladies there at shrine.freetalklive.com. Dot com. Plus, want to invite you to experience Porkfest. You can still get on board here. It's not too late. It's happening uh, the 9th through the 15th. It is brought to you by the Free State Project. It's their Porcupine Freedom Festival. And at Porkfest, you'll be able to learn how Free State Project early movers are already making a difference and meet hundreds of individuals who, just like you, cherish liberty and are living the goal of liberty in our lifetime. Discover new freedoms, new communities, and new beginnings. Register today at Porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. Our number here is 800-259-9231. So one of the reasons you might want to consider looking into the Free State Project and coming to Porkfest is because, well, the police state is on the rise in America. And there's no reason why your town or your city won't be next. Uh, D.C. is apparently under orders, or the the D.C. police chief has announced that military-style checkpoints will be put up 
in a northeast Washington neighborhood, which is allegedly inundated by gun violence. She says it'll help keep criminals out of the area, but it seems to me you're just bringing in a whole new crew of criminals. They're called the police. And if you think that putting up police checkpoints around the perimeters of a neighborhood is going to keep drugs out, then you're full of yourself. Because all that's going to happen is they'll just have to buy off those cops or the cops that are already bought off will get the assignment or something. You know, there's always a way. Because remember, these are the same people that can't even keep drugs out of their own prisons. If you think that's what the issue is, if you think they're going to be successful at stopping any sort of crime here, I think that's an illusion. So what if these people who run D.C. decide they have an epiphany and they decide to go in the liberty direction? Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Now, what, what do you think they should do first? Oh, my gosh. Where do you, where do you begin? Mm-hmm. Uh, stop taking taxes from people? That would be nice. Well, even before that, I think you probably want to legalize gun ownership throughout. That'd be a good step. And stop the war on drugs. Two great steps. That right, that right away, probably overnight almost, would drastically reduce violent crime and even theft. It would really drastically reduce those. Because most of us are too young to remember Prohibition, but if you read the accounts of it, that's where you had Al Capone-styled gangsters shooting each other up in the streets over moonshining and sure. uh, illegal alcohol um, uh, trafficking. The same thing's going on today. Same thing. And anybody that doesn't see those parallels is just not listening and not paying attention. Let me get a little more detail here on what is happening in D.C. Starting on Saturday, though you're saying it started uh, earlier than that, Wayne. Starting Saturday, says this article, officers will check driver's identification and ask whether they have a legitimate purpose to be in the Trinidad area, such as going to a doctor or church or visiting friends or relatives. So not only will you be stopped and they'll find out who you are, they want an itinerary from you. They want a travel itinerary as to where you're going and what you're doing in that particular neighborhood. Uh, sounds like uh, the accounts of the Soviet Union that it sure friends does. of mine have told me about. If not, the drivers will be turned away if they, uh, the bureaucrats determine they don't have a legitimate purpose to be there. The Neighborhood Safety Zone Initiative is the latest crime-fighting attempt by Chief Lanier and Mayor Fenty, who have been under pressure from residents to stop a recent surge in violence. Last weekend was especially bloody, with seven slayings, including three in the Trinidad area. So that's what they're calling it, the Neighborhood Safety Zone. Sort of like free speech zones, Wayne, where they cordon off a very small area whenever the president uh, is coming into an air, uh, t- a town or city. And they say, well, if you want to protest the president, you can go over here to this free speech zone. Everywhere else in the vicinity, you're not allowed to be if you're going to be speaking out. Yeah, down an alley behind a fence. So, and it is always usually behind a fence, and it is a at least a quarter mile, if not a half a mile away from where the president's actually going to be. So now we've got neighborhood safety zones, and remember something here, that the Washington, D.C. area doesn't have a state government. It's run by the federal government. So what you're seeing here, this is a federal police checkpoint. They may be the D.C. cops, but it, this is a federal plan, and so... If this is challenged, I don't know, how many steps, if you're in D.C., how many steps does it take to get to the Supreme Court? Is this a joke? No, I don't, I don't know. 
It shouldn't know, be that I many, don't right? Know. Yeah, you're right, because there wouldn't be any state uh, jurisdiction right. here. It should go right to the federal government. So who knows, man? Maybe this will get challenged. It'll go straight to the Supreme Court. They'll back it up as constitutional, and then you'll have these things popping up all over the place. <laughs> it sounded like a Pollock joke when you first asked it. No, that was not my intention. But uh, according to this, in certain areas, said Fenty, we need to go beyond the normal methods of policing. We're going to go into an area and completely shut it down to prevent shootings and the sale of drugs. Of course, it's all the drug dealer's fault. The checkpoint will stop vehicles uh, in a section of Trinidad that has been plagued with homicides and other violence. Police will search cars if they suspect the presence of guns or drugs. So there's no more real need to uh, have any sort of probable cause or anything like that, apparently. You could just search on the merest suspicion. And they'll arrest people who don't cooperate under a charge of failure to obey a police officer. The enforcement will take place at random hours and last for at least five days in Trinidad, with the option of extending it five more days. Checkpoints could be set up in other neighborhoods if they are requested by patrol commanders and approved by the police chief. The strategy, patterned after a similar effort conducted years ago in New York, is not airtight. There are many ways to get in and out of Trinidad, not just on the one-way Montello Avenue. And pedestrians will not be stopped, which is something that critics say might render the program ineffective. According to uh, one of the council members, I guess the plan is to hope criminals won't walk into neighborhoods. I also suppose the plan is to take the criminal's word for it when he or she gives the police a reason for driving into a neighborhood. Well, just... Just hush now, Mr. Mendelssohn. This is the first step of many on a long, long path to tyranny. I'm sure that eventually they'll take your concerns under, uh, you know, under consideration, and they'll expand to include absolutely everybody that attempts to cross into this particular neighborhood. Maybe they'll, uh, to make you happy, they'll not only question people that are on foot, but they'll also selectively follow uh, certain people. For instance, if you were to pull up Wayne and say you were going to church, uh, they might just put a tail on you to make sure you actually are going to church. Who knows how far they'll go with this, but I would, I would rest easy if I was a statist that all of that is coming in due time. 1-800-259-9231. We go to your calls. Jimmy's on the line in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Wayne. Hello, Jimmy. Hey, how's it going? Hey, what's on your I mind tonight? I had something very good happen to me today. I went to the Michigan State Capitol to talk to the Board of Canvassers. Okay. And when I walked in, I did not go through a metal detector. I did not have to show my ID. No one asked me what my business was there. Wow. I walked up and I asked uh, the two ladies who were working the desk where such and such was. They told me right where it was. They were very professional. Then when we got into the Board of Canvassers room, that was a different story. But the the, the whole point is is that uh, the, Michigan is not a police state, and anybody that's listening from Michigan, you can be proud of what's going on at your capital. You should be mad about what goes on in your courthouses. But what goes on in your capital, I walked right in there. I could have been anybody. I, I can't you say know? I'm proud of what goes on at uh, any state capital. Usually well, it's a bunch of lawmaking. And I see I'm where you're coming from on that. If you got more, hang on. Right. 800-259-9231. Hang on. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Maybe you don't perceive it as being a police state, but for some people it is. Everywhere. You can take control. Bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll free at 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wade. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com, and those features include the archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, just go click and download right there on the front page of the website. For your downloaded convenience at freetalklive.com. In Chapter 5 of Freedom Engineering, an online anarcho-capitalist adventure series, Tad Galahad catches something in his spam can. Go to freedom-engineering.com to find out what. That's freedom-engineering.com. 1-800-259-9231. Discussing the rise of the police state. We're seeing evidence all over the place. I think it's complete at this point. I mean, they've... They've got checkpoints now internally in the inside the country, nowhere even near the borders, and they're using the excuse of violent crime. They didn't even pull out the old terrorism scare on this one. It's just, oh, too much crime. We're going to have to crack down, put police cars in the streets, and check every single vehicle that comes through. This is madness, and it's happening right here. We go back to Jimmy in Michigan. Jimmy says there's no police state in Michigan, and I don't know if I agree with that, Jimmy. Perhaps you don't notice it. Do you live in Detroit? Look, it's not that I don't disagree with you, because it is happening everywhere. I understand that. But what I'm getting at is is, there are solutions to it. You know, I have uh, the only reason that I get to do the things that I get to do and to say my piece is because I've, I've, I've hooked on with this person that's running for United States Congress, Sharon Rainier. She's an excellent person. I agree with about 80% of what she believes in. She's a Democrat, whatever. It doesn't matter. That's all garbage. You and I both know that. Yeah. But I get to talk to sheriffs. I get to talk to people that are running for county sheriff. I get to talk to these people. We went into the board of canvassers today, and... I don't know how many people are on the board. I, I really don't, because I don't understand how exactly the whole thing went down. But I do know that three of those people were on our side. And there was this one guy that kept ninnying and dancing around the issue, and Sharon and I made him answer to us. And he didn't, want to, he didn't even want to listen to us. They tried to throw our testimony out. They tried to cover us up. They didn't want to talk to to John Cash and myself. What was the purpose of your meeting? They know who I am. What's that? What was the purpose of your meeting? Well, the, the, the purpose of the meeting was is that the, that Mark Schauer, her opponent, used a guy from Indiana, a registered voter, to gather signatures, and then he fraudulently, you know, used, he, somebody else signed as the circulator. What a shock. Fraud in the political realm. Who would have imagined such a thing? You know, I mean... Exactly, exactly. You know, I give you credit, man, for going and trying to hold their feet to the flames, but I don't know if it's really going to do anything in the long run. No, you're you're right. You're right. But we do get a small victory. And even how small it is. I mean, I'm for any kind of victory that you can get, because these three, there's three people on that board. That, that, that said, hey, you know, we are taking your concerns very seriously. And they didn't vote to, they, they voted our way. Well, that's but good to know. It's still, pa- it's still passed. There can be some not- progress made occasionally with the political system, but for the, the right. you know, the return on investment, for the amount of money and time spent, it really, I just, you know, I still don't think it's really no, worthwhile. I, I, see, I see your point. Yeah. I see your point. But what I'm getting at is that there are solutions. 
It's for people to get off their ass. That's true, and, and that's what we're doing. Do that's what we're doing here in New Hampshire. There are people that have gotten off their yeah, butts. Good for you. They've New moved Hampshire. up here. You people want to succeed. I love you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, sir. We appreciate your call tonight. Appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. The activists here are just amazing and even the politicos are seeing some progress it's slow going but they're getting they're getting somewhere yeah i'm concerned for his state of michigan because you've got the oh, auto man. industry there and you read a story about a year ago about how a lot of houses were selling for less than cars because yeah, of like all the 30 grand or something and all and there's tens of thousands of layoffs you're hearing every few months in the auto industry and i'm real concerned about that area michigan's in bad shape man. bad shape uh, so we continue here. Dave is on the line in Athens listening to WAIS. Hello, Dave. Hi, guys. Hey, what's, what's on your mind? I got When I went to Washington, D.C., it was about 27 years ago, and much, things were much different. Yeah, I bet they are, were, yes. Yeah. And um, one of our group, my eighth grade class, somehow got separated from the rest of the group, and some guy asked him for a dollar. He did the wrong thing, pulled down his wall, and off went his wallet. You're, oh, you're saying that uh, some uh, hobo came up and uh, yep. was panhandling, and one of your friends pulled his wallet out, and they, it got snatched, huh? Yeah. Well, yeah, D.C.'s always been kind of bad news, mm-hmm. because it seems like where the bigger the government is, the more crime is. That just seems to be a general uh, a, a general comparison that, that that you can make. D.C., New York, L.A., I mean, big governments, big crime. Well, the, mag- that, the maggots are always thickest at the bottom of the garbage can. I heard that one in, for every one cop, there's three crimes. Who knows, man? I have no idea. I'm sure there's all kinds of nasty statistics about D.C. Mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons why I don't ever plan on going back. Not because mm-hmm. of the crime, necessarily. I'm not, I'm not too uh, concerned about common criminals. It's the government criminals that really, bu- they really bug me, and I don't want to be anywhere near dc if i can avoid it so i know there's some guys going to that ron paul rally next month i wish them the best of luck with this new police state who knows maybe they'll set up checkpoints around the ron paul rally just to make sure there's no contraband coming in because they'll know that you know the ron paul guy's more than likely to be packing some heat so maybe that'll be enough reason to shake them all down I don't worry about the common criminal. I worry about the guy with the badge and gun. That's uh, unfortunate that you have to say that, but it's so true. And, Dave, thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. The common criminal you can fight back against. A common criminal who's trying to steal your wallet or break into your home or hurt some you know, family member or friend. You can fight back against them, and everybody will look at that and say, yeah, good job. You fought back against the Self-defense. Right, but if the guy has a badge... If he's wearing a uniform and he's driving a police cruiser, then you just have to bend over and take whatever it is they give to you. Because if you fight back against that gang, then they're going to send all of their force against you. Usually common criminals, many of them aren't members of a gang. They're just lone people going around trying to make some money to score some crack rock or something like that. And even the mafia isn't as large and as widespread as the government gang. So you can't fight back with violence against the government. It's seen as illegitimate. It is as legitimate technically as fighting back against a regular gangster. But in the eyes of most people, it's not. And so, therefore, it is not a good solution to come back with violence. So responding to these checkpoints by popping the the cops that are doing the checkpoint isn't going to solve that problem because then they'll just crack down even harder. But what do you do about the checkpoints? 
And what would you do about that? Right now, enough people just have to get fed up enough and, and contact their state legislators and flood them with emails and flood them with faxes and flood them with phone calls. You think that's, that's going to stop at the, the checkpoints? I mean, in D.C., there's not even a state legislator to contact. They'd have to contact the, uh, the 535 scumbags. Well, there is an election coming up. Yeah, but Wayne, come on. I mean, you and I both know that the incumbents get reelected at a 90% reelection rate and that most people don't participate in the elections. And even if they did, we also have seen plenty of evidence that even if, even if in this next election, 100% of the people in the Trinidad neighborhood of Washington, D.C. came out and they hit the polls and they wanted a change, they were tired of these checkpoints, they went in and they, they voted for a change, we've already seen evidence from all over the country that the voting systems can easily be uh, swayed and rigged. And uh, th- there was stories here in New Hampshire about all kinds of balloting mishaps and questionable circumstances. Of course, there's the electronic voting, which is really questionable. Questionable. It could be hacked. It could be programmed. There could be back doors. So even if everyone turns out to vote, that's still no guarantee the vote was legitimate. Now, do you think maybe the cops and, and the local officials are trying to drive certain people out of D.C., you know, the surrounding states? I have no idea. I think that uh, they just, this is how they respond to things. They respond to a perceived problem by cranking up the government force. It's what they do every time, everywhere. And it's happening now in D.C., and it could very easily be happening down the street from you tomorrow. So pay attention to this. And if you can't figure out what to do where you live, just another reason to join the Free State Project and get here as soon as possible. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. Ed Wayne. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features there are free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, then you can shop with us at the store. Just go to store.freetalklive.com. We've got t-shirts. We've got hats. We've got hoodies. Variety of different uh, sizes, shapes, and colors. You'll find them all at store.freetalklive.com. Continuing to discuss the news out of Washington, D.C., where they are cracking down against alleged crime. This is their excuse. There's been apparently a handful of murders, and so that's the reason the police need to set up checkpoints in one of the neighborhoods in D.C., in Trinidad, apparently. And uh, according to the story at the Washington Post, they are going to be setting it up for at least five days. They may extend it for an additional five days. They may also set other checkpoints up in other neighborhoods. It's all completely up to basically the police chief. If uh, it says that if some of the uh, lower police guys that take different sections of the city, if they ask for checkpoints, the police chief will basically sign off on it, and then they get their own checkpoint. Uh, Of course, they'll be searching pretty much every car that comes through that they suspect of having drugs or guns and uh, but apparently they won't be searching people on foot but i i bet that'll be coming soon as if they get a, get away with this if the ACLU isn't successful in suing them on this one then uh, you can expect a bigger crackdown coming soon well there's a local law school dean who uh, leads the DC's ACLU chapter and she called the idea cockamamie and ineffective Quote, I think they tried this in Russia and it failed, Yep. Shelley Broderick told the examiner. It's just our experience in this city that we always end up targeting poor people and people of color, and we treat kids coming home from choir practice the same way we treat those kids who are selling drugs. Unquote. 
The leaders of the ACLU said they'll be watching what happens closely and that legal action is likely. Arthur Spitzer, the legal director for ACLU in Washington, says, My reaction is welcome to Baghdad, D.C. And if you think he is being hyperbolic there... Uh, I'm just. I looked in our uh, amp-only chat room a few moments ago, and Puke, who is uh, one of the Free Talk Live amplifiers, a Free State Project member, he recently got out of the military and spent quite a bit of time in Afghanistan and Iraq as a helicopter repairman. And he says that this sounds exactly like the checkpoints they put up in Iraq, exactly like it. So what does that tell you? And it actually goes back to something that I'd said in the past on the air, and that is that if you want to see what the government, the U.S. government, wants to do to America, look at the airports of America and look at Iraq. I didn't mention that earlier, but that is something that I suggested was that we saw checkpoints in the streets in Iraq just blowing away people and no accountability whatsoever. And it's just a, an awful situation. Barbed wire being put up in Iraq. When's that going to happen? Seems like the next crazy illogical step here, right? I mean, if it's true that people are sneaking in through the backyards trying to get around the police checkpoints in the streets, then maybe we'll see guard towers go up and, you know, barbed wire put around the neighborhood. Who knows? Who knows? You'd be a prisoner in your own home, basically. And it's pretty disturbing stuff. Uh, turning, uh, excuse me, interim attorney general says his office reviewed the initiative and that similar efforts have survived court tests. He says, I don't anticipate us being sued, but if you want to sue us, the courts are open. Because it's not like he cares. Go ahead, sue him. He's got all the money in the world to defend himself with. Whereas whoever's doing the suing depends on how big their bank account is. Uh, he says, a uh, U.S. attorney said the D.C. officials consulted his office about their plans and the prosecutor suggested some changes to try to ensure that any arrests w- would hold up in court. And he says, whatever we do has to be consistent with the Constitution. Does this sound consistent with the Constitution to you? <laughs> that that sounds like a bunch of baloney. New York police stepped up a... But, but the fact is, Wayne, if this does go to court and it does go to the Supreme Court... I would say odds are good the Supremes will go in favor of the police, because that's what we've seen. Over the last several years, the Supreme Court has been getting more and more police-friendly. And spineless. Uh, New York police set up a nearly identical checkpoint in 1992 in a neighborhood of the Bronx that was plagued by drug dealing and drive-by shootings. Police ran the special operation on a random basis, mostly in the evening hours. Officers stopped drivers, but not pedestrians, coming into the area to confirm they had a legitimate reason to be there. Federal appeals court upheld the legality of the New York effort, saying in a 96 ruling that it served an important public concern and was reasonably viewed as an effective mechanism to deter crime in the barricaded area. So there's already precedent here. Apparently this has happened before. It's just happening again now. And now I'd say it's more likely to happen again and again and again because everyone's scared, right? People or the population of America has been frightened to death of drug dealers and terrorists and immigrants, and we got to keep them out of our neighborhoods. The only way to do it is to set up random checkpoints. I mean, I just, this is not a good path to be going down. Uh, according to the story here, D.C. police have used various forms of checkpoints for years, and this is something they'll fall back on. They'll say, hey, we've been doing checkpoints. Why are you making a big deal out of it? We've always done checkpoints. No big deal. Well, it is a big deal to those of us that give a damn about freedom, about the ability to move from point A to point B if you're not hurting anybody else without having to answer to some officious bureaucrats. According to the story, again, in 1988, they blocked the streets and searched courtyards in a pair of apartment complexes in a bid to drive out drug dealers. 
That move came during the crack cocaine epidemic in a year when the city recorded 372 homicides. Last year, the city had 181. Former police chief Isaac Fullwood, who led the department until 92, said he liked using checkpoints because his officers were able to make arrests and gather intelligence. He says they're effective. You recover stolen cars and firearms. You've got to have a lot of you've got to have a lot of them if you're going to have them. You need to move as the criminal element shifts. So here he is giving tips to the new police chief saying, good start, good start. You got one, but you, you need more. We, we, you, if you want to be effective, you're going to have to have more of these things. And isn't that the case, Wayne, with government programs? When what we see happen is the government, as we were talking about earlier, they see a problem. They create a government program to allegedly solve that problem. Turns out it makes the problem worse. And they fail and they want more money. Right. So they always get more when they fail. It's the opposite of how business works. When business fails... It means they weren't satisfying their customers. It means people aren't coming through their doors. They're not buying those products and services anymore. There's nowhere to go but out of business unless you can really get your S together and start serving your customers again. Whereas government, if if people are unhappy with you, well, that's just an excuse to come back to the uh, you know the local government board and say, looks like it's not working out. We're going to need some more money to make sure it works out the, the way we intended it to. And those in charge uh, of the policies and those implementing the policies still have a job still get their salaries regardless of whether they succeed or fail. Sure. So what you might see here is that they're going to set this checkpoint up in the Trinidad neighborhood, and then, you know, a week later, as they analyze the effectiveness of it, they're going to see that they did probably bust a few people for guns and drugs, so they can point to that and say, hey, see, uh, uh, former police chief Fullwood said we'd get a bunch of drugs and guns out of this, and he was right. But, you know, there's drugs and guns in every neighborhood of D.C., or at least the ones where all the black folk live. So we're going to have to put up checkpoints in uh, every black neighborhood in D.C. We'll leave the gated white neighborhoods alone. Uh, but the black neighborhoods, we're going to put checkpoints up in every single one of them because, hey, it's resulting in more arrests, and we love that what is that going to stop drugs no you arrest a drug dealer a new drug dealer will fill his shoes because there's just a new market opportunity i don't know if the police just don't realize this and i i just think i think they know it and they don't care you know the bottom line here is that that really what they're doing is they're treating the symptoms and not the cause the cause is you know you've got the war on drugs and you've got the um inability for law-abiding citizens to defend themselves those are the two biggest causes you have there. And plus, you've got Washington, D.C., of course, which isn't managed locally. It's managed um, more bureaucratically, more centrally. So there you go. Manage the, or, or attack the cause and not the symptoms, and you'll f- solve the problem. And, but they're not doing that. They're just going to keep attacking symptoms upon symptoms upon symptoms that they create themselves. Some residents expressed, uh, expressed support for the plan yesterday, saying they're willing to submit to the checks if it makes the neighborhood safer. Well, what are you going to do if it doesn't make the neighborhood safer? I understand, Wayne, you're suggesting vote them out of office, but that doesn't really seem to work so well. So if the police are doing these checkpoints and there's no safety increase, which, by the way, is not a valid excuse for this, uh, even if there's no safety increase, are the residents going to say, that's it, we've had enough, get out of here, coppers? Are the police going to leave if they do that? No. No. So what is the solution to this problem? I don't know. At some point, 
at some point it would have to go to violence at some point or maybe you know maybe some crazy civil disobedience sitting in the road in the way of the police or chaining yourself to the police station doors there's got to be something there's got to be something interim between the checkpoints being set up and actually using violence because we know violence won't solve the problem we know that but i'd love to happen but that doesn't mean it won't happen and i would also love to hear some brainstorming as to how someone would deal with this what if this came to your area and if you had enough activists around what could you do about it i'd love to hear some ideas because i really am kind of dry on it this this is total police state happening right here in america just like Baghdad, just like some of the uh, you know the former Soviet Union and some other horrific places around the world. Hour two's coming up. It's Free Talk Live. There's a reason it doesn't sound like the old media. Which of those court justices are going to sit there and err on the side of your Fourth Amendment? That's because it's the new media. Dan Carlin. Common sense. I think fast and I talk fast and the people that like this program can deal with that. Common sense with Dan Carlin. A free-thinking, politically independent view of things from a man who's had way too much caffeine. Get the MP3 or podcast at iTunes or go to dancarlin.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. We're launching into hour number two of the program, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. You can bring up anything if you dial in toll-free. Otherwise, we talk about stuff that's interesting to us. And we continue here on, I guess, a similar theme of total government control of your life. We spent the first hour talking about the new situation that's uh, coming out in D.C. where they're setting up checkpoints. They're starting with at least one, but they'll probably set up more. Uh, They're setting up checkpoints to control where you can go. You have to tell the police where it is you're going, what you're doing, where you're coming from, who knows what other questions they'll ask you, allow them to search your car if they decide they want to search your car, and it's pretty outrageous what's happening there, but it doesn't just stop on the roads, does it, Wayne? No, it doesn't. As you know, Ian, I've been a big advocate of health freedom for a long time. Sure. And one of the heroes of that movement is an attorney named Ralph Fusitola, who is um, d- does a lot of work for um, defending supplement companies from the FDA and so on. And he wrote a blog post uh, yesterday that was really interesting. His uh, website, by the way, is, is vitaminlawyer.com, and there's a link on that website to his blog. Uh, basically, he says it was the, that quintessential New Yorker, Walt Whitman, who urged his compatriots to resist much, obey little. Now, however, New York's political class is determined to voluntarily surrender even more state sovereignty. This time the legislature is running to hide from parents who know their children have been hurt by mandated vaccination and from the U.S. Constitution, which reserves the uh, police power to the states, not to the federal government's advisory committee on immunization practices, which is part of the Center for Disease Control. Under the new proposed forced vaccination law, which is essentially a private interest, Big Medica, Big Pharma committee, which will now mandate vaccinations up to 78 before a child in New York reaches the age of 18. Whoa! Based on CDC recommendations. Heretofore, CDC always claimed... Wait, did, I'm sorry, did you say this was the state of New York or New York City? The New York, uh, New York State. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, New York State. So they're basically going to mandate up to 78 vaccinations before a child in New York reaches the age of 18. 
Oh, man. Uh, that's, the, a, that's a big cocktail to take. Big time, yeah. And so the CDC has always claimed before that they didn't force vaccinations. Rather, enforcement was left to the states. Now New York is surrendering even the semblance of local autonomy. Why? Because forcing kids to have multiple doses of dangerous drugs has gotten politically uncomfortable for the legislators. This supine surrender occurred despite the admission by the CDC that all vaccinations still contain toxic mercury and other toxins. All- some people have suggested, and there's, inter- you know, there's some interesting evidence out there that suggests that having that stuff in your system could lead to some serious problems. Autism, for instance, has been suggested. And if parents are frightened of them, then they should be free to not have their kids be vaccinated. I understand that means they can't go to the government schools. Good! Is that what they're holding over their heads in this one, Wayne? Is that if you don't get vaccinated, you'll, your kids won't go to the government schools? Or is this like you're going to jail if your kids don't get vaccinated? It looks that way. It looks because Which what, one? Well, the jail? Or the, the jail, yes. Okay. And, of course, they'll take your, their kids from you. That's the threat always. Sure. But only the, the industry itself doesn't even have to reveal how much of the toxin are in the, uh, the vaccinations. And the World Health Organization, if that means anything, tells us that even one microgram is, is harmful. And then you got of seven, mercury, you mean? Yes. And then if you've got 78 times that, 78 vaccinations times one is still a huge poisoning dose. Mm. So it's not good. So why are the legislators running, uh, rushing to surrender their responsibilities? I think we have to conclude that while the no-forced vaccination movement is growing stronger, their big pharma paymasters want them to act now before it's too late for their profit through legal mandates agenda. Um, finishes up here. So again, we have people, we have industries that use the government to mandate the use of their products. This is an old yeah, mercantilist scheme. Profits. Yeah, but it, on top of that, though, it hurts people. It sure does. And it makes more people dependent on government, of course, too. It just encourages people to believe that the government knows best and that whatever government says is good and that you should not question, citizen... We have made these determinations for you, and we know what's best. Who do you think you are trying to keep your children away from our state-mandated vaccinations? How dare you? We've determined that they shall receive them. And if you disagree, too bad. You're going to jail. Well, there have been many in the health freedom movement who have been warning that compulsory vaccination was coming. Mm, There you go. This seems to be the first uh, shot over the bow. And there's always another one to come. Just like with the checkpoints, there's going to be another checkpoint. And if New York State gets away with compulsory vaccinations, you can better believe there's some bureaucrats out in California that are watching real closely. Well, vaccinations are so effective, let's let the market decide. Yeah, indeed. And, and the market has determined in many cases that vaccinations suck and that they that people want to use other uh, means to... Uh, to protect themselves from diseases. I can't say that if I had children, I would want to put them through all that. 78 vaccinations? Yeah. I don't think I got that many when I was a kid. I don't remember, obviously, all of them, but the number I don't of feel mandate, like it was or like The that. number of so-called required vaccinations has, has grown Keeps sharply. And yeah. at one time, you know, you had, you had a religious exemption or a philosophical ob- uh, objection that you could pose to the local health department and get out of the so-called mandatory vaccinations. Not now. But will this law... It, there's none of that's allowed. You wow. have to do it no matter what. If it's passed, it's, it's about a week or so from possible passage, and they're hoping that a lot of people in New York uh, wake up and, and contact their legislators. Yep, I guess that's all you can really do. You know, what else can you do besides refuse to uh, to get the vaccines and then face what potential jail time? Yep. If you're a parent in New York and you love freedom and liberty, this is yet another reason to look at the Free State Project. You don't have to go to that 
too far to the east to come here where there are other parents that feel like you do and that you can back one another up if that's what happens. If if New Hampshire state government decides to try something like this, which seems far more unlikely here just because the legislature in New Hampshire is more citizenry-based than it is in New York and it just doesn't seem to grow. The government doesn't seem to grow as fast here, and we've actually seen a, a retardation in the growth of government because of the activism of the Free State Project. So it seems to me that the safest place to raise children in America right now is right here in New Hampshire. But if you try to stick it out in New York, I wish you the best of luck. Oh, boy. Well, you know, the problem, of course, too, is people come north, and you saw this. There are a lot of New Yorkers who moved to Vermont in the 70s there, mm-hmm. and, and basically... Social, made, made Vermont a socialist state. But uh, what kills me is I've seen this happen out west with Californians moving to other states is that they leave a state because they hate what's going on there. Mm-hmm. And then they end up unconsciously recreating the very thing they left. So we want people to come up here who love liberty and, and aren't for using the coercive power of the state against its citizens. Yeah, absolutely. If you're just a one-issue pony, if you've only got one thing that bugs you about what the government does... You're not the kind of person we're looking for. We want we want people that are principled and understand liberty, and they understand the critical point is that if you want liberty for yourself to do what it is you want to do with your life, you have to allow your neighbors to have the freedom to do what they want to do with their lives. And that should include not vaccinating their children. If that bugs you, keep your kids away from them. And vaccinate your kids, then what are you worried about? If yeah. vaccinations work so well, then... They're not going to harm your kids. They were vaccinated. vaccinated. There you go. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. We go to Larkin Rose. You familiar with Larkin Rose? Yes. He is a former tax protester, tax freedom advocate. You say former. He's still a tax freedom advocate. It's just they sent him to jail for a couple of years for uh, for doing what he did. And he's actually a Free State Project member. Don't know if you knew that one. No, I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, he's not here in New Hampshire quite yet, but ever since he's gotten out of prison, you know, he uh, he had this basically this scheme as to how to get out of uh, income taxes based on their own laws, right? And he tried to go to court. He tried to use their own laws against them, tried to use the system to save himself, and he spent two years in minimum security federal prison for not paying taxes so what he basically figured out was that well you need to be a little more principled than this you know that you can't use the system to defeat the system so what you have to do is question the system itself question the government itself and he's turned into an even more principled individual i mean he was he was really entertaining to to read before he went into prison but since he's gotten out He's really gone the total anarcho-capitalist route, total voluntarist at this point. And he's got some comments about this government idea. We'll talk about that here in moments. And take your calls about whatever you want. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231, the cycle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features there are free, so enjoy those on us. They include 
The Wiki, over 1,700 pages created by listeners just like you. You can go to wiki.freetalklive.com and get interactive. You can edit virtually anything you see. It's like the listener editable version of our website, wiki.freetalklive.com. And what mischief is the Iron Fist of the State up to lately? And who is the Anarchy Boogeyman, and why should you be for, uh, why should you be afraid of him? Anarchyinyourhead.com is a webcomic about the philosophy of freedom in its purest form. Check in every Friday for a new strip, and find bonus material throughout the week, all at anarchyinyourhead.com. That's anarchyinyourhead.com. 800-259-9231. We turn to Larkin Rose. He's got a great... Great email list uh, that I think you can get on through his website, tyrantbook.com, but I'm, I am not 100% positive on that. That is his newest book. Uh, it's about how to be a successful tyrant. That's what it's called, tyrantbook.com. So give him a little plug here because he's doing some really great work and looking forward to getting him up here into New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. This is a little article that he sent out to his email list called Beware of Tiger. He says, whenever I attack the myth of the divine right of politicians and the notion that any constitution, election, or other ritual could give some people the right to rule the rest of us, a.k.a. authority, some people respond by saying that anarchy will never work. Well, first of all, anarchy is what is. The only thing I'm suggesting is we'd be better off if we stopped hallucinating something that isn't there. Again, it's like a little primitive, uh, it's a little like a primitive tribe that imagines a volcano to be a god and keeps flinging unsuspecting virgins into it in an attempt to appease the gods. If I said to them, uh, hey, that's not a god, it's sort of a leak in the earth's crust, I suppose a few of them would say, but our lives wouldn't work if we didn't appease the god of the volcano. No matter how much you tinker with the rituals, as long as their thought process is based upon thinking that the volcano is god, Bad things will happen, especially to the people that get flung in. There are several logical disproofs of the legitimacy of government. A very simple one, which I've mentioned here before, goes like this. From where would government get the right to do things that normal people have no right to do? For example, where does the right to tax people come from? Since normal people have no such right, you, Wayne, cannot come to me and say, Ian, you owe me $3,000. Why? Well... Because I said so. It just doesn't work that way between individuals. That would be extortion. It would be. Uh, Nor could my neighbors come to me and legitimately say, because I'm not in a deed-restricted neighborhood, I did not sign any sort of agreement that agreed to pay dues to live where I live. Or cut your grass the way they want it. Yeah. So my neighbors can't come to me, even if there's 10 of them that come to me and say, Ian, you owe us $3,000 because your grass is too tall. Sorry, never signed an agreement with you and don't owe you anything. But for some reason, it's okay when people calling themselves government come around and do these things. Well, it's not okay. As Larkin points out, since normal people like you and I have no such right, they can't possibly have given that right to someone else. If you don't have the right to tax me as an individual, as a man born equal to me as another man, then you can't tell Mark, our normal co-host, who, by the way, is partying out in Vegas with Jason Osborne from SACL CAI, you can't tell Mark, Mark, I grant my power to you. Now you may tax Ian for whatever arbitrary numbers of uh, dollars you want from him. But Ian, what about the social contract? Society has the right to take money from people. Society uh, is a voluntary association of individuals, as I understand the definition of society. And if it's a voluntary association of individuals, then you can volunteer out of that particular society. Beyond that, I never signed a social contract. Did you? 
if you can show me the social contract and show me my signature on it, well, you'll have some evidence. What about the voter registration card? Mm, actually, it said on the voter registration card that I had to obey the laws of New Hampshire. I crossed it out and initialed it before I signed the voter registration card. So, no, I did not sign any sort of agreement that agreed to obey by these silly man laws or statutes or regulations or whatever you want to call them. They're certainly not real laws. They're not natural laws. They're unnatural because they're created by man. Anyway, he says, did a magic piece of parchment, the Constitution, we're still talking about how these government people allegedly get so-called authority. Did this magic piece of parchment, the Constitution, alter morality and suddenly make it so it was okay for some people to steal? No. In short, nothing can make something evil into something good, though the entire notion of government rests on the idea that that is possible. But again, people often respond to such things by saying that anarchy, the lack of a ruling class, wouldn't work. They claim that because of the malice and stupidity of people, we can't just be left to decide for ourselves what to do, or there would be violence and bloody mayhem. Such a response, however, not only misunderstands what I'm suggesting, but reveals an insane assumption behind the belief in authority. The premise is that government is made up of something other than people. After all, if the stupidity or, or malice of people is what we're trying to get protection from via government, then how on earth would giving some of those flawed people a lot more power help things? Yeah, but they're smarter than everybody else, Ian. You know, there are people that believe that, Wayne, and it's disgusting. We should listen to them. They're smarter than us. You can listen to whoever you want to listen to, but as long as you have the choice to ignore what they say, you're free. So you can listen to anything you want. Listening's fine. It's the obeying part that I have a problem with. And that's the part they want you to do. And, you know, what he's rephrasing here is something that I think I originally heard from Harry Brown, which he was a brilliant communicator, and he pointed out that, you know, if you believe that people are evil, then that's an argument against government. Because people tend to believe two things, right? It's very rare that you'll find someone that says 50% of the people are evil, 50% are good, right? So you either believe that generally people are good or that generally people are evil. If it's true that people are evil, and I don't agree, I think generally people are good, so I'm one of the others. But if you believe that it's true that people are evil, and if it is true, then that's a perfect argument against government. Because why in the world would you want to give evil people the opportunity to wield power over others? That's why right. would you want that? Yeah, and I talk to people who are of the... Um socialist or so-called progressive bent to say, mm -hmm. we are going to have all these bad people with machine guns driving around neighborhoods and we need the government to protect us. What? Look in D.C. <laughs> the bad people with machine guns are setting up checkpoints now. It's, it's a total obfuscation. Yeah. Be because what happens when you create this big pot of power and money someplace, the worst possible types of people gravitate towards it eventually. Of course. Of course. If what you want is to uh, wield power, you will seek it out. There are very few people that go after the government offices who actually have the best of intentions. Many of them, okay, excuse me, they do have their own intentions that they consider good, like stopping people from using drugs and stopping people from having underage sex and stopping people from, you know, behaving in ways that they disagree with. I don't consider those good intentions, but they do. And so they seek that power in order to enforce their will upon everyone else, in order to attempt to get everyone else in that area, that geographic area that they claim dominion over, to behave in the way that they think is appropriate in order to, to make everyone the same. And it's gross. That's true. And, but even, even if some of those goals are admirable, the way they choose to uh, implement them is the problem. Because, yeah, you can educate people. 
you know, I don't smoke. I don't like people around me who smoke. I don't let people smoke in my car, for goodness sakes. Mm-hmm. And, and if, if uh, somebody I care about smokes, I might talk to them about it a little bit, but then it's it. I, I honor their choice. Absolutely. Otherwise, they won't like you anymore. That's right. I don't want them to like me. 800-259-9231. More about so-called authority, the concept of government, and Larkin Rose's thoughts on it. Yours as well, if you dial in. 800-259-9231. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, by the way. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there are free, so enjoy those on us, including the updates. Get signed up, and we keep you in the loop whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Are you thinking about investing in real estate in New Hampshire? Mark Warden is your connection to homes, rentals, and land in the free state. Look for him next weekend at the Porcupine Freedom Festival in the Exhibitor's Tent. Mark Warden, a first 1,000 member of the Free State Project and your Porcupine Realtor. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. We're sharing an email from... An email uh, from Larkin Rose, who, if you uh, haven't ever heard the show before, is uh, fairly well known among some of the freedom circles as a tax freedom advocate. And he still is a tax freedom advocate, but now he's moved beyond that. And he's just a general freedom advocate, a freedom from government control advocate. In fact, he's come to understand, I would I would say that before he spent two years in federal prison for uh, for not paying taxes, he would have defended the Constitution. He would have been one of those constitutionalist guys, as I consider myself uh, many years ago as, as well. Uh, but he's now come to the understanding that the government isn't legitimate in any way, shape, or form, and a piece of paper called the Constitution doesn't legitimize theft at all. Even if the nicest people are behind that particular piece of paper, even if the government officials are good people, then it still doesn't legitimize stealing. It doesn't legitimize threatening people, which is what all governments do. And it goes back to something he said earlier, and as I said, it was kind of a paraphrase of something Harry Brown said. I'm sure it's been said a million times by a bunch of people. But the idea is that if government is, uh, people claim, well, we need government to keep us safe from bad people. Well, wait a minute. If the problem is bad people, then why would you want governments around? Because the fact is, we've seen plenty of evidence that, not just in America, but in governments around the world, whether state, local, federal, the bad people are attracted to government. Because then the bad people can wield power without any sort of accountability for it. We've seen so many police stories where the police have hurt people, murdered people, stolen things, dealt drugs, whatever. And they've gotten away with it for the most part because... They're insulated. So many other bureaucrats have done terrible things. Government land managers uh, leasing out land to companies that come in and clear cut, that destroy the property. Are they held responsible? No. No. So if bad people are the issue, then we don't need government because it just gives bad people the opportunity to seize power. If most people are good, then we don't need government. Because most people are good, and they'll voluntarily associate with one another and organize themselves in order to repel the bad people. We don't need governments for that. 
So there's really no good argument for this government idea. And Larkin Rose continues to tear it apart here. He says they claim that because of the malice and stupidity of people, oh, excuse me, wrong paragraph. He says, consider the statement, which I often hear, people shouldn't, people can't be left to govern themselves. Oh, really? That's, that's what this country was founded on. Indeed. And just what should be governing us humans? A benevolent moose? A wise aardvark? Perhaps a committee of boll weevils? Since all governments consist entirely of people, and not very good ones at that, how on earth can there be a structure which removes the natural tendencies, both good or bad, of people? To put it another way, if you had a big cage full of a hundred rabid dogs, what form of government could you institute among them to make them all behave nice? None, of course. And if you tied down most of them and filled their teeth de- or filed their teeth down to dull stumps while giving spiked collars to a few of them, do you think that would reduce the violence that would occur? Hmm. That kind of ties into what we talked about in hour number one, right? Where some people have been disarmed in Washington, D.C., and the police, they've got plenty of guns, but the violence hasn't stopped. The violence is, the murder rate is crazy there in D.C., So he says, why, uh, he said the unrestrained ones would eat the restrained ones. Anyone could predict that. So why would we expect government in the human society to somehow magically benefit the good instead of the evil? The fact of the matter is, anarchy is simply what is, while government is what will never work. People are constantly saying that we need some kind of government to protect individual rights. Yet history makes it undeniable that those acting in the name of so-called authority have violated individual rights on a scale that private crooks could never hope to achieve. Yet, even while trying to fight off a murderous, thieving monster calling itself government, people will still insist that we need it to do something it obviously doesn't do. And those people, of course, are minarchists. And I used to be one of them, as a matter of fact. I used to believe the, you know, the line that smaller government is good. And while smaller government is certainly preferable to big government, smaller government is not legitimate, smaller government is not good, Because government cannot do good without first doing bad. Government cannot help someone. If you see, they love to to hold these uh, welfare recipients and soldiers and, you know, all these recipients of government largesse. They love to hold them up, for instance, at uh, various different government functions, like the president's uh, State of the Union address is one example. So for every example, the government touts about, look, we're helping people. Look at all these old people. They're getting prescriptions and stuff. We're helping. Well, you can't help any of those folks through government without hurting others first. You have to steal the money in order to give it to someone else. Unlike the variety of charitable organizations out there in America, Salvation Army and the United Way, which is is an organization that gives money to other charities, All these different charitable organizations out there manage to get their money voluntarily. They manage to persuade people, to convince them to hand over their money. And as a result, people get helped. And no one had to be threatened. That's right. And if if one of those private organizations becomes corrupt or mismanaged, the people who donate the money can defund them. Sure. Without consequence. And start start a competing organization. Yes, and start a new organization. You cannot do that with government. Exactly. Even if they become corrupt and dishonest and inefficient and, and whatever else they do, you cannot defund them without force coming to your door eventually. So these minarchists that are constantly saying, well, we, yeah, we can't get rid of government, it's just they haven't really thought it through. Because the fact is, the founding fathers in the United States created the Constitution that allegedly created this government that we have. They tried 
They tried to tie it down, to bind it with the chains of the Constitution, and look how well that worked, huh? Now the United States government is the biggest government in the world. Not even China comes close. The biggest in the world, the biggest police state, the biggest empire ever known to mankind, all from the humble beginnings of a small, limited government. A republic, if you can keep it. You can't. You can't, and nor is it worth keeping, because even the republic is still a government, which is funded by confiscatory taxation, which is theft, is stealing from your neighbor. And it's not right, no matter what label you put on it. Anyway, Larkin continues, he says, it's like having a wild tiger in your house for protection. Well, yes, it's eaten three of our children, and it's gotten my, it got my leg last week, but we need it for protection. And why is that? Well, because somewhere out there are tigers who would harm us. Well, why don't people see how utterly insane that reasoning is? How on earth can we need to have something with the right to forcibly control everyone in order to defend our freedom? How stupid can an idea be? Yet 99% of the population accepts it as an indisputable fact of reality. And why is that? Well, because they grew up with government. They grew up going to government schools, most of them did. They grew up surrounded by government-produced propaganda that told them that governments were necessary and governments were good and governments what you know helps separate us from the beasts or whatever it is that they tell you. I even went to a church one time out in California where they were all talking about submitting to the government. I, I walked out. Ew. Why? Is it like godlike or something to submit to I the guess, government? I guess so. I just I walked out when I heard these Did people Did Jesus this submit stuff. to the government? No, he didn't. <laughs> Larkin says, yes, there are some stupid or malicious people who will, on their own, do nasty things to the rest of us, unless we do something to stop them. And we can use our rights of self-defense, either individually or in cooperation, to try to do something about that, which is not government and requires no special authority. Self-defense, that's fine. What we can't do, and what we shouldn't try to do, is to put together a group of people with superhuman rights and call them our protectors. Here's a few more thoughts. We'll share those with you and take your calls about what you want if you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. Larkin Rose, the author of The Tyrant Book, How to Become a Successful Tyrant. You can go to tyrant, uh, tyrantbook.com to learn more about that. More Free Talk Live coming up. You take control, 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live, and that's the SACL CAI toll-free line. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Wayne. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We invite you to shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. If you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, this is one of the best ways to do it. Because you know you've got stuff you want, right? You've got a list, I'm sure, of things you want, whether it's on paper or on your computer or in your head. There's new stuff always that you want to put into your life, and you've got to buy it somewhere. So you might as well buy it at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, whether it's furniture or electronics or books or DVDs or whatever it is. 41 categories to shop in, even used items. So if you need to make sure you budget correctly and not buy stuff that are new, uh, that's new, Amazon's got used stuff. And so enter through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, and FreeTalkLive will get a percentage of your purchase. Whatever it is you buy, FreeTalkLive gets a cut if you start your shopping experience at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. A few more thoughts 
from Larkin Rose at tyrantbook.com about the, the whole idea of government and, and why it is that people believe that they can somehow make it work right. The whole concept is backwards from human nature. The whole concept is anti-freedom. I don't care how good the people are you elect, and we've seen certainly that good people rarely get elected. I don't care how good they are. It's never okay to threaten your neighbors to extract money out of them. I don't care what your goals are, what your purpose is, what you're going to do with the money. I don't care if it's to feed poor children or to, you know, to help people. You can't help people by hurting others first. You have to get people to contribute voluntarily. It's the hallmark of a bad idea that you have to go to government in order to get it funded. If you can't get it done in the marketplace, then you go to government and ask those people to take care of it for you, you've got a bad idea on your hands. That's right. It shouldn't be funded anyway. Larkin points out that uh, people still try to reconcile the contradictions of the Founding Fathers, pretending that a servant government can actually exist, or that a group of people who protect rights and does nothing else could be called government. If some group can impose laws on me and tax me and regulate me, then it's not my servant. It's my master. And if something only protects my rights, it cannot tax, it cannot regulate, its words are not laws, it has no monopoly, and I can fire it at any time I want, then it's not government. Oddly, constitutionalists and other limited government folk use this same bad logic that communists always use. Well, it didn't work this time, but that's just because they did it wrong, not because the theory is flawed. I think that's probably one of his most poignant observations here. In fact, I've never, I don't think I've ever heard someone observe that, because we've pointed that out on this show about socialists, is how each socialist out there, whenever you confront them about their socialist beliefs, they'll usually fall back and they'll say, well, North Korea, they, they didn't do it right. Or, you know, the, the uh, Stalin and, you know, those other guys, the Nazis, they didn't do it right. They messed it up. But if they just follow my plan, I know how to organize society. I will be the central controller. Just elect me and support my ideas and we'll make this whole central control of taxing people and redistributing it the way I feel appropriate. We'll make it work this time. Well, the constitutionalists are saying the same thing. The minimal government people are saying the same thing. Their position is, well, clearly it, it, it didn't work. I mean, the founding fathers, they had a great idea, but it, you know, it didn't work out. You know what we should do? We should start over from scratch and uh, start another constitution, or at the very least go back to this constitution. and Let's pay attention this time. Let's be vigilant about liberty, and let's make sure the government doesn't grow. Oh, the same old thing, huh? Going to go back and have a revolution and start it all over again? Sorry, that's not good enough for me. I don't want to be controlled by other people unless I contract to be controlled by them. So I want to evolve, not revolve. I don't want to go around back to the beginning and start it all over again, elect a new crew of people to set a bunch of arbitrary rules for how we can live our lives. I would much rather take the next step in human evolution, and I see that next step as helping people understand one person at a time, changing the hearts and minds of Americans and people worldwide to understand that it's wrong to control your neighbor. Most people do. They understand that inherently. But it's wrong to institutionalize that control in the form of government. And we can get along on a voluntary basis. And we can have a voluntary natural order. It can happen. We just need to get the government out of the way. We need to get these people who are uh, consider themselves government to find legitimate work. 
I'm not saying that some of the things they do are unwanted. Fire protection? I'm A-OK with fire protection. I want fire protection, but I want to contract for it. I want to know what services I'm buying. I want to know what it costs. I want to know what I'm getting for my money. I want to have a contract. I want to have them under an agreement that if I pick up the phone and tell them there's a fire, that like dominoes, they're going to be here in under a certain amount of minutes. That's what I want. Am I too demanding, Wayne? I don't think so. So let me continue here from Larkin. He says, so these limited government folk use the same bad logic as the communists. He says, he says uh, well, it didn't work this time, but that's just because they did it wrong, not because the theory is flawed. Well, the theory that never works in reality is a bad theory. Government never works. If a government working means that it only protects rights and freedom, it never has, and it never will. And as long as people keep letting wild tigers into their houses for protection, they'll keep paying a very steep price for their foolishness. Unfortunately, they put tigers in my house and your house, too. So we have to pay the price for their foolishness as well. And that's the part that really annoys me. From Larkin Rose, tyrantbook.com is his website. Brilliant stuff. I love the direction he's gone, and he's so principled now, and it's, he's a really good communicator. He uses great analogies and really, I think, draws the, the right conclusions. 1-800-259-9231. Look, if you want to let the tiger in your house, go, go right ahead. If you want to hire somebody to tell you how to live your life, there are all kinds of consultants out there that you can bring on board. Go ahead. Hire someone to enslave you. If that's what makes you feel good and safe, you should be free to do that. You know, I don't want to... When I, when I started in this libertarian movement, I mean, for lack of a better term, pro-liberty, I think I need to start replacing that. Replacing libertarian with pro-liberty. When I started in the pro-liberty movement, Wayne, I thought it'd be great if everybody had freedom. But now I understand that not everybody wants freedom, right? Yep, some people so, want security. So let them have it. Let Go ahead. You can have all the control you want. Go ahead. Hire some fascist to tell you what to do. Hire some Nazi to step into your life and tell you how to fold your laundry. Yeah, there could be like little Nazi um, housing developments where you can basically, (laughs) they're gated and you can't go out unless they tell you can. Right. And if you want to come in, you have to be searched. You have to be searched. Yeah. And, And I'm sure there'd be a demand for those. And by all means, I think those people should have that. But I'm not interested in that program. I'm not interested in that agreement, and I'm not interested in being ruled. So if we can come to a point where those of us that want liberty for ourselves, like us, can actually have it, and those that want to be controlled can have that too, I think that would be just fine. 800-259-9231, you can take control of the airwaves. Nico is on the line in Illinois. Nico, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, um, I wanted to say that about you guys were talking about Cuba yesterday, right? Yes, I believe so. Um, Bush wanted to be able to let Americans um, send cell phones to Cuba because it would supposedly uh, promote freedom of expression. How's that exactly? Cubans have cell phone towers that they're going to be able to get on their cell phones with? Well, here's the thing that confuses me. It, It looks like it's just a publicity stunt. Because, you know, all the U.S. phones are locked to U.S. carriers, and since the embargo does not let U.S. people do business in Cuba, there's no way to get service in Cuba with U.S. phones. 
Yeah, it definitely sounds like a publicity stunt. I'm certainly not aware of uh, aware of it happening. And if if he was serious about helping the Cuban people, he would end the embargo. He would allow Americans. He would he would legalize trade with Cuba to where you could do business with these people to where they would have regular contact with Americans to where Americans could travel down there and the more Americans doing business with Cubans and traveling and meeting Cubans and talking to Cubans the more likely they're going to talk to people that are going to start talking about freedom and liberty and how things are so much better and different in America instead of having them being locked off from experiencing people that come from this country that would be the best thing that could be done for the Cuban people right now beyond you know a total uh change of their political system and and that's what we were talking about last night was that Raul Fidel's brother has loosened up the restrictions a little bit on the Cuban people he's allowed farmers to uh, choose more of their crops and uh, they can now have uh, DVD players and even computers so things are moving in a slowly moving in the right direction over there it would be a huge advancement for them to uh, for the US government to end its embargo but they're not putting that option on the table are they no no Nico any other thoughts um, yeah, I wanted to talk. I just wanted to let you guys know about that and see what you thought. Um, but about the like arbitration system, you guys are talking about no government. Ah, uh, yes. Believe- Private arbitration. We'll let you ask your question here in moments. Hang on. We're going to bring you back in hour three. More with Nico and your calls as well about whatever's on your mind. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. As we launch into hour number three, it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Let's go back to Nico in Illinois. Nico, you're back on Free Talk Live. You had some uh, questions or issues about arbitration. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, um, like, because you guys were talking about, you know, pretty much no government, and and I agree. Well, I think Wayne's I, still kind of a small government guy, though. Moments before the uh, the hour started here, he did slip in a little comment <laughs> about how he's progressing away from it. Yeah, I, I mentioned that every, as every day goes on, I start to see the fallacy in my thinking. About supporting minarchy? Well, you, 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 let's just say we had minarchy today. It would be great. You know, it would be much better than what we have now. But how long would it take to get back to where it is today? That's the question. It is a good question. There have been many civilizations and, and empires which have lasted much longer than the United States has, uh, who ended up being oppressive. I mean, uh, 200 and some odd years that the United States has been in existence is not that long historically. And they really started oppressing people not too long after it was formed. I mean, it didn't get real big real quick, necessarily, but there's always oppression whenever there's government, because someone has to be targeted to be the source of the funds. That's right. Remember the slaves? Exactly. Yeah. Go ahead, Nico. You still there? Nico? Going once? Going twice? Okay. Well, he should call back, because we didn't hang up on him. Let's go to the amp lines. Unscreened. You're on Free Talk Live. This is the Christian Anarchist. Hello, Gene. What's on your mind tonight? Anarchy. 
What a shock. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Okay, yeah, I'm glad to see that Larkin is uh, on the anarchy bandwagon. And, uh, you know, I went around and around with, uh, not so much with Larkin, but with uh, his arch arch nemesis, Erwin Schiff, because Schiff and uh, Larkin kind of had opposing views regarding how to overcome the tyranny that's called the income tax. And it looks like they uh, both went to jail for their opposing views, so apparently neither of them was right. And uh, I'm terribly sorry to see that either one of them went to jail, and Irwin is just a real nice, gentle old guy, and uh, it's a shame that that tyrants would uh, take a guy like him and lock him up in a cell. Mm -hmm. But uh, at any rate, uh, I wanted to discuss what he said about anarchy, because I've got this actually written on my blog spot, but... uh, the thing is that not only is anarchy the natural order and the uh, the way things should be, anarchy is the way things are. It's <clears throat> People true. People don't quite see that. Can, can you and, explain and, that, Gene? Sure, and Larkin did touch on that as well. But anarchy is the way things are because... In reality, there is no government and there is no authority. In reality, all there is is people calling themselves government who are willing to wield force over innocent people, right? All there are are men with guns. And Mm -hmm. he even made a reference to the religion of government, which I call the cult members. I call uh, people that believe in government cult members. And at times, I interact with these cult members as an undercover cult member myself, because I realize that that you have to deal with these people sometimes on their own level. So, um, you know, I, I realize myself that it's just a cult, but sometimes I have to participate in it. Right, in well, because not... the cult belief system is so widespread, it's impossible to avoid this particular cult. If you want to avoid Scientologists, that's not a problem. If you want to avoid Catholics, no, it's not so big of a deal. You just don't go to their churches uh, but the government people, they insist upon inserting themselves in every possible facet of our lives. Well, and not every cult member is ready to hear the truth yet. A lot of cult members, you tell you, if you try to expose the cult in front of them, they get defensive and they get violent and they don't want to hear what you have to say. So mm-hmm. sometimes it's better to, to feed it to them a little bit at a time, a little spoon here and a little spoon there, and say, well, you know, what about this or what about that? And you try and get get into them a little bit at a time, and then they eventually get through, just like Larkin eventually crossed over. I eventually crossed over. You know. So and, did uh, I. It took a while, but, yeah. I, you know, we all made it here, those of us who are here. And, and I noticed Mark is getting closer. That one time he sure sounded like an anarchist that one weekend he was riling about... Uh, how they don't have legitimate authority and oh yeah man. well mark spent mark uh mark spent the entire <laughs> winter gene you have to understand that his circumstance he was building his house here in new hampshire and he spent the entire winter building his home you know full five to eight hour long days uh he spent out with very principled uh free marketeer anarchist anarcho-capitalist whatever you want to call them russell canning and uh lauren canario's husband were both helping him with his house so i mean he was around those guys for hours and hours at a time it's it's bound to rub off because it's such a sensible philosophy it makes so much sense it's the only one that really cares about the freedom of the individual and the and the other thing about anarchy being the reality is everybody has a law written in their own hearts that they follow they follow what they want to follow you know i decide to be a christian for instance i want to follow the christian life therefore that's my decision, and it's ultimately me who agrees to which laws I'm going to follow. 
And that's true with every man, woman, and child on this planet. We all decide what we want to follow. If I don't want to stop at this stop sign that I'm about to drive up onto, and I can pretty much guarantee you I won't stop at it, um, that's my decision because I think that's a stupid law. And uh, the only time I stop is when there's a uh, cult member sitting nearby or if there's traffic. <laughs> a cult but, member. Uh, other, well, yeah, well, other than, I was going to say, uh, Gene, uh, you, you come to a stop sign. Well, we got a problem with Gene's line. I'm going to put him on hold. Okay. Go ahead, Wayne. So, so you come to a stop sign, and there's nobody coming, clearly. You look both ways, and, and it's 4 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And there's a cop way up the road watching or something. You know, it's silly. I'm wasting gasoline. I'm wasting sure. my brakes. Yep. I'm wasting resources. It's stopping. You are an adult, and you can make decisions for yourself as far as what is safe and what is not. You, you do it every single moment you're on the road. There's no reason why, if in case you in case you got the whim, you couldn't just whip your wheel into the opposing lane of traffic and cause some sort of horrific accident. But you don't because you've got self-preservation in mind, and you want to get from point A to point B safely. That doesn't change just because you're coming up to an intersection. Your ability to ascertain the situation doesn't change. You can see if you're safe or not. I'll stop at a stop sign if there's, like, shrubbery around. I can't see around. I don't know if there's someone coming. But if I can see the other directions and there's nobody there, who cares? It's just, you know, the people that believe in those laws are just the worst of the worst, the most authoritarian, obedient, pathetic people. I was turning right here in Keene recently, and uh, there's this intersection where five roads uh, roads intersect kind of like the spokes of a wheel. And one of them, there's a big sign that says, no right turn on red. Well, it was Sunday, here in Keene on Sunday, not too many people on the roads. There wasn't very many people on the roads, and uh, the lights were red on the other side, so no one was going. And I could just, you know, go right on ahead. There were a couple people that were crossing the road with their bicycles, and they're decked out in the, you know, the bike helmets, and they also went so far as to have reflective vests on. So, like, maximum safety people, right? I waited for them to cross in front of me and then started pulling out. Mind you, my light was still red, and this woman took note of that. She yelled at me, Wayne, as I was driving by completely safely. I didn't put them in any danger, but she yelled, The stoplight's red! Oh, okay. You know, I just waved and smiled as I went by. What else can you do with somebody like that? Somebody like that is always going to be adhering to every single rule they can possibly adhere to. And if they see you not adhering to those rules, that's the kind of person that calls and snitches you out. They're disgusting. They're despicable. And uh, just because you yell at me doesn't make me want to stop at the uh, the stoplight next time. I'll tell you that. If she had a legitimate point, well, then that would be one thing. Like, you almost hit some children, but I didn't. I didn't put anybody in danger whatsoever because I'm a big boy, and I can make decisions for myself. But you weren't following the rules, and I have to, and I always do. Yeah, let's continue with the calls. Nico's back in Illinois. You're back on Free Talk Live. Sorry about that. My cell phone dropped. So That's I'm all right. on a landline. What's on your mind now? Um, uh, about the arbitration, I, I agree that there should be some kind of private tor- uh, court system, but how are you going to... Choose in a case which arbitrator you go to. And Easy. How can it- Easy. We'll talk about it. Hang on. You get to hang through another one here because <laughs> you 
phone call disconnected. Anyway, more with Nico. We'll talk arbitration. And you can take control of the airwaves. Chime in. What's your answer for Nico? You're welcome to uh, jump into the conversation here as well. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number. Bring up whatever you want at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com, and those features include the bulletin board system. You can get interactive with a whole bunch of people, over 2,000 people are there and over 350,000 posts await so for you to read them at your leisure. You can talk about various different things from serious issues to fun stuff and you'll find it all free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. And uh, do you, uh, you want to easily update the look of those old cabinets or that old set of drawers? Well, InnerKnobs.com offers a wide variety of knobs and pulls for every taste and budget. Save 10% on your order by using the code FTL at checkout. That's InnerKnobs.com, I-N-T-E-R-K-N-O-B-S.com, InnerKnobs.com. We go back to Nico, who is hopefully still hanging on in Illinois. Nico, you're back with questions about private arbitration in a free marketplace absent government, uh, the government judicial system. Go Go ahead, sir. Yeah, I'm still here this time. Sorry about that. No problem. Um, basically, my, my point is, in a private system, how are, you, how are you going to decide as the defendant you know, and the prosecutor which arbitration system you go to, and then once a case is decided, how is that case going to be enforced? I mean, I can see as a company ruining, ruining the reputation, but as an individual consumer, how does that work? Good questions. Okay, first off, um, most people will hopefully, when they get into an, uh, when they get into a contract, whether it be to rent a house or a work contract or you know buying a cell phone, whatever it is that uh, agreement that you're entering into, odds are good there's going to be an arbitration provision in there. In that you know in advance because you've had experience with contracts that not everybody always honors their word. So you want to make sure you're protected from that. And so what you can do is you specify in the contract in advance who your chosen arbitrator is. Now, hopefully you'll be able to agree on which arbitrator to use with the other party to the contract. In the event that you cannot, then there's a solution there. You pick your arbitrator, they pick theirs, and the two arbitrators then agree on a third arbitrator. Now, that obviously triples the cost, so hopefully you'll, you know, you'll have a financial incentive to come to an agreement in the first place. But there, there are workarounds for all of the objections you can possibly think of uh, in the market based system. So you specify in advance in your contract who the arbitrator is to be. In fact, you can specify multiple arbitrators in that you could have appeal court arbitrators, basically, where if you didn't like the um, the ruling of the first arbitrator, you could then take it up to the next arbitrator. Again, increasing the cost. And remember, the person who loses in arbitration pays the cost of the arbitration and whatever fees are, are necessary. Well, what means will you get to get have them pay for it if they refuse? 
Well, certainly, uh, you you can't get blood out of a stone, Wayne. So I mean, if there's no, if, I mean, if they don't have any money, then what can you do about that, right? Well, Nico did mention reputation ratings, and I think that would be a critical factor to have something like that around. And we certainly can handle it with the information society we have today. Uh, in fact, the ideas have been around for a long time. Uh, the credit card companies have something similar going on called credit rating. Yep. It's not quite as comprehensive. Uh, it's not exactly what I'm describing, but it's a it's an example that you can look to to get some idea of what a reputation rating might be to where basically when you go to arbitration in advance, you are agreeing to the ruling of the arbitrator. So when you sign that contract, you agreed to be bound by the by whatever the arbitrator decided. So if you don't honor your agreement, the contract that you signed, then your reputation gets dinged. It gets hurt. And depending on how big the offense is will be how big your reputation gets hit. And, you know, you could certainly build your reputation back up. You could turn your life around, as our co-host Mark has turned his life around and has made good. Uh, he has, certainly hasn't uh, paid restitution, but that's not the system that we're under right now. Anyway, so you go into the re- uh, to the arbitrator, and they make a decision. If you don't abide by it and you've got no appeals then you're in, de- you're in trouble at that point. And then if your reputation gets dinged, when you try to go get into another contract, whoever's looking into getting into that contract with you is going to run a check on your reputation rating, if they're smart. I, I can see with, with contracts, with contracts, but like if you, I mean, break into somebody's house or something like that, how is that going to be ish, you know, solved? Good question. Uh, by the way, I'd like to recommend a book it's called The Market for Liberty, and you can go to book.freetalklive.com to download a copy of it. You can listen to it. You can read it via PDF form, and it's free. It talks about all this stuff in great detail, and it's excellent. But to answer your question, because it's a valid one, you can't possibly have contracts with everyone. If someone breaks in and steals some stuff from your house, then you've got a, a bit of a difficult situation. There are two ways you can kind of approach this. Number one, you can have insurance. You can have theft, you know, essentially protection, theft protection, property protection. Some sort of insurance company will be out there to offer you uh, essentially a, a protection on whether or not you get – if you get stolen from. So if somebody steals your stuff, mm-hmm. you call the insurance company. They send out an investigator. They check it out. They want to make sure that, first of all, you aren't scamming them, I'm sure. And that's one of the things they're going to look for. But they're also going to try to find out who the culprit is. And they're going to pay you. You're, going, you're insured, right? So there's a certain value on the stuff that's in your house, the stuff that you own. You buy that insurance in advance, and so they come in. They investigate, you make your claim, they pay your claim, and then by right of subrogation, it's the insurance company at that point that gets to go after the criminal. You don't have to deal with any of it. So if you've contracted in advance with an insurer and someone steals your stuff, you get paid right off the bat, and the insurance company goes after the criminal. So you don't have to deal with any of the the hassles of trying to figure out who the person is or any of that. It's in the insurance company's ballpark, and that's their business. So you wouldn't have to worry about it. That's one option. The other option is you don't have insurance. Then things are a little tougher. I mean, first of all, insurance in a free market society isn't going to be expensive because there won't be a lot of crime, because there won't be these arbitrary government prohibitions like the war on drugs, which creates a lot of crime. So violent crime and property crimes would be down dramatically. So insurance companies won't have to pay out very often, which means that there's a tremendous margin that they can make, and therefore they can charge very, very low rates for this sort of insurance. So you'd be insane to not buy this kind of protection. But if you didn't, and there will be people who don't, and you get stolen from, well, the question becomes, what do you do then? 
well, you can hire after the fact if it's worth it to you. I mean, if it's just a bicycle, you know, I don't know how much it's going to be worth hiring a private investigator to find out who the, you know, the culprit was, presuming that they even find out who it is. Then you'd have to pay uh, the arbitrators, you know, essentially to take your case at that point or find someone who's going to take your case pro bono or something like that. You've really got a lot of footwork to do, essentially. You've got to find someone to solve the case. You've got to figure out how to get the case into the arbitrators and pay for whatever you need to pay for up front so you can possibly get reimbursed down the line if you win the case. So there's a lot of extra stuff that you'd have to do if you didn't have any of the insurance. But it, it would all be doable. Now, you might ask yourself, well, let's presume for... But let's presume that you find the the bike thief, okay? And it's pretty difficult to do that, but let's presume that it, that he is found. Well, how are you going to get him to agree to come to the arbitrator with you? He doesn't want to come to arbitration. Well, the fact is, if the arbitrator is legitimate, if the arbitrator has reputation, and that's what arbitrators are want, going to want to build. They're going to want to build reputation in their communities so people know they're honest and people know they're fair, unlike government courts who don't care about that stuff, and people know they're quick. If you're not agreeing to go to the arbitrator that you've chosen and that person doesn't want to choose their own arbitrator to defend themselves, then they're admitting by default that they've done something and their reputation gets dinged. If you've got more questions, hang on. More with Nico. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Wayne. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there are free, so enjoy those on us. And they include the Shrine of Female listeners. Dozens of ladies have sent us their validated photo and proving they listen to the show. Just go to shrine.freetalklive.com to see what it's all about. Shrine. FreeTalkLive.com and SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy, so your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at FreeTalkLive.com. That's SACL, C-A-I, 800-259-9231, talking about private arbitration in a free marketplace, shifting away from the government monopoly courts that we have today. They claim that they're in favor of a speedy trial, but we all know that's nonsense. And government courts are no way beholden to consumer demand. They don't have to make anybody happy. They can make whatever arbitrary decisions they want to make, and they suffer no no market-based consequences for it. So shifting to market-based arbitration to replace government's, uh, government courts will actually result in people getting real justice for the very first time, wherein the participants in the trial, whoever loses, will have to pay the costs and not everybody in society. And if somebody is going to a uh, you know prison, if somebody's particularly dangerous and they have to be taken out of society, then they're going to have to keep their own selves alive. There, you know, the prison business will have to figure out a way to keep itself profitable, and the prisoners, provided they want, you know, a comfortable place to sleep, will have to probably work for that. I don't know exactly how it would all play out because I'm not going to be the person running that particular industry, 
the people in search of profit will figure all that stuff out. But I know that I won't have to be charged for it anymore. I won't have to be paying to put people in jail cells that I've never met or that I wouldn't necessarily agree having them put in jail cells. So we go back to Nico in Illinois. If you have any other thoughts, Nico, go ahead. Yeah, um, going off the whole the, the whole jail thing, um, I can see in most cases where, yeah, you can get restitution or get money for certain things that happen. But, I mean, there are times where, you know, there are, there's a dangerous person on the loose or something like that, and they have to be put in jail just simply because they're just too, jan- too dangerous to be on the streets. How do you go about kidnapping somebody and putting, you know, putting them in jail? Well, first things first, you better have a real good case. If you're going to go and take someone's freedom away from them, you as the bounty hunter or the insurance company or the private investigator, whoever would be going to arrest that person, you better have an ironclad case. It's not going to be the government's rules anymore where just, you know, some slipshod investigation will get rubber stamped by a judge and the guy will go into a prison cell, which of course has resulted in all kinds of innocent people being put behind bars. We've had over 100 people, I think it's more like 170 people in the past few decades, been released from death row because they were wrongfully convicted. So the the standards will be set higher. The bar will be raised. The, uh, the, you know, the level of evidence necessary to take away someone's freedom is pretty high in the free market society. So you better have an open and shut, ironclad case before you take away someone's freedom. If that's the case, if you do have an ironclad case, that person will, you know, they'll challenge it and you'll prove that you're correct and that this person's a menace to society and that they should be kept out of society. And then, you know, theoretically, that that person would spend some time in a jail cell uh, as a result of that. But if you're wrong, Nico, if you've got the wrong guy or you've cut some corners in your investigation or whatever the reason is, you picked up the wrong person and you can't prove your case, then your reputation is on the line. Your reputation as an honest stand-up person, as a business owner that people are to go to if they have a problem, your reputation will be in question because you're putting everyone in jeopardy. If you put an innocent man in prison, you're done for. So you better get it right 100% of the time if you're going to go around doing that stuff. Well, if, if you lose, couldn't that, that person uh, get you back for kidnapping him? You're damn right they could. Yeah, you could end up in some serious stuff. So that's why you have to be extra careful. And so that level of care, that level of caution doesn't exist today with the government court system, and it would be so imperative in the free market environment. Okay, I actually understand now. It it was kind of confusing before, and I wanted to explain people because I really don't believe there should be any form of government, and it's... It was hard because I wasn't sure exactly. It's the tough I have to tell you, it's a tough issue. I had to read that segment in the Market for Liberty a couple of times before I really started to to crank through it. I really started to understand it because it's so different from our current system that we have today. It's it's hard to envision something else because we're told when we grow up, we're told this is the best country in the world. Our system's the best system in the whole world. Maybe that's true. I don't know. Used to be. Maybe. I don't maybe it still is true. I don't know. I'm not going to bother spending the time to research that claim. But I do know it can be better than it is. And that's what the marketplace would allow for because of competition. Because you allow competition to enter into the justice marketplace, then people finally start getting the justice that they deserve for the first time ever. And victims don't have to be victimized twice. That's one of the worst parts about today's system is that when someone gets hurt, then they go to court, presuming they have the right person. That person gets punished, 
They get sent to a jail cell, and the individual who was originally hurt by the criminal then gets victimized a second time by the government criminals that force them to pay to put their original uh, victimizer behind bars. Yeah. So it's a sick system that we have today, and it needs to change, and I'm glad you understand better now. And again, go to, go to book.freetalklive.com. and I uh, downloading now. Very good, sir. Thank you for the call, Nico. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. It's uh, the Market for Liberty free audio book. Uh, I actually read the audio book, so it's my voice. And I had permission from the uh, the owners of uh, of the book, laissez-faire books. They said, A-OK, let's do this. Get it out there because it's such an important – it's such an important idea, the free marketplace, and it's there aren't that many advocates out there for it. So it's it's good to get a book like that out there into people's hands, into people's ears, to where they can start hearing these ideas, absorbing them, looking at them, analyzing them, making sure they agree with them, absorbing them, and then communicating them to others. That way it's not just Free Talk Live that's the lone voice out in the wilderness, that there are many people who believe in the free marketplace and the, the, the rights of the individual out there communicating these things. I think there's a growing number of validate, uh, validate, validative uh, people and sites out there. It just seems like I'm hearing about this stuff more and more. Even sometimes in the mainstream media, I'm starting to hear people talk about it. Private justice? Oh, all these all these things we talk about on Free Talk Live are starting to bubble up in places I would never have expected. That's good to hear, Wayne. I've never heard anyone talking about private justice anywhere else. But maybe that's coming. Maybe people will start to discuss these things. Certainly, I've heard secession more now. I've heard secession here and there and other places I hadn't necessarily seen them being dis- seeing the ideas be d- uh, discussed before. And it seems like that's such a pressing issue for America, that this federal government, we need to throw them off our backs. I mean, the D.C. government setting up checkpoints in D.C. We spent the entire first hour talking about that. I mean, hello, McFly, what else do you need to see? What else is it that would convince you that we're living in a police state? And if you've been convinced that we live in a police state, what's it going to take to get you to do something about it, to get off your duff, as our caller earlier suggested, and take action? What is it that's going to convince you? What's your criteria, your onus for criteria? What is it? Or onus of criteria? Anyway, 800-259-9231. Let's continue. John is on the line in Ohio. You're on Free Talk Live, John. Hey, John. John, going once. Hello? Hello, John. What's on your mind tonight? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm a fan of Alex Jones, and uh, he's been talking about the food crisis going on. uh, It's starting to be more prevalent worldwide. And uh, I had a question. My first question is, it's kind of a three-part question, is A, uh, there's environmental factors, and I know that he's uh, suggested that there's also uh, man-made factors that they're intentionally uh, intentionally causing uh, some of the famine that's going on, you know, by hoarding it up and buying it on the stock market. Are you suggesting there's famine going on in America? No, I'm saying that as far as the, the growth rate of food, on a world stage, saying that more and more nations are in shortages. Yeah, I'll hold you over. We can talk about this. Hang on, 800-259-9231. Certainly, I don't see any shortage around here. Uh, But prices are going up. More coming up. Free Talk Live. 
This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Just enough time for your call if you make it right now at 800-259-9231. The cycle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. Ed Wayne. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. And if you like the show want to help support Free Talk Live, become an amplifier. You can do it for as little as 3 bucks a month. And what you should do is go to amp.freetalklive.com to, first of all, learn more about the program that I can tell you here in a few seconds. Uh, you'll learn about how we take the money in from AMP. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. We take that money in, and we use it to do just that, to help Free Talk Live get on more radio stations around the country, as well as get more Internet listeners on board with the show, and thereby introducing new people every night of the week to the ideas of freedom and liberty. So if that sounds valuable to you, and if you think it's worth 3 bucks a month, Go to amp.freetalklive.com, and we'll throw in some perks to sweeten the pot, like access to the toll-free AMP-only call-in lines, the AMP-only chat room, and forums. All of the details are there at amp.freetalklive.com. And coming up here, uh, starting tomorrow, one of the other things that the AMP program money is uh, allowing us to do and has allowed us to do for the past few years is go to talk radio conventions and tomorrow morning, that's what I'll be doing. I'll be driving down to New York City and meeting up with Mark, who's coming in from Las Vegas after a long, hard week of partying with Jason Osborne from Seikel CAI. Uh, we'll meet up in New York City, and we'll be attending the Talkers Magazine New Media Seminar. Now, I would not be able to afford to go to these industry conventions if it weren't for the AMP program. Plain and simple. It probably costs us about 1500 bucks per convention, maybe up to 2000 depending on how far we have to travel for it. it can cost us at least 1500 bucks for the both of us to go to these things. The ticket for the convention alone is 400 bucks a pop. But it's so valuable because what you have to understand is in the radio business, and it's a radio convention, so there are radio bigwigs and VIPs are all over the place, right? And what you have to understand is that if you're a radio program director... You get phone calls all week long from people trying to pitch a new show to you, whether it's some guy down the street or some way half, someone half, halfway across the country trying to pitch their show to get on the station. There's so many of them out there just scratching for as much airtime as they can possibly get. But only some of them go to the conventions. Only a handful of them go to the conventions. And so by going to the conventions, we can really stand out. Uh, we can be seen by the people that make big decisions. And being seen like that is very important. That's one of the reasons, the number one reason we go. We don't go expecting to sign any contracts with anybody or, or get anybody uh, under agreement with the show. We just want them to meet us and talk to us and like us. So when they're looking for new programming, they think about Free Talk Live. The fact is, it's worked so far. Has anyone asked you to join the Bilderberg group yet? No, no, yeah. not yet. Uh, maybe I've just been working the wrong crowd or something. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. But it's it's so great because over the, the past couple years, and I'm sure I'll have some reflections after this year's uh, convention. There's always something worth talking about. But what we saw, what we've seen is that the first year, we really had to be outgoing. Like, we had to go and shake a bunch of hands and introduce ourselves to people. Second year wasn't that important uh we were more established in the the you know the, the radio marketplace at that point we could relax quite a bit people started coming up to us not a whole bunch of people just you know one or two people during the convention and same thing happened this year we just relax now at this point it's, hey just having a good time seeing some of our people that we know and 
you know, socializing with them, and then people who I've never met before will come up and approach, and it's a program director of so-and-so station somewhere, and he wanted to meet us, and, you know, that turns into, when when we've had people approach us at the conventions, it turns into an affiliate every single time. Our new New York stations that we got on board earlier this month, five stations in New York City, or not New York City, excuse me, New York, the Finger Lakes region, we met him at uh, the Talkers Convention last year. He came up, approached me, and introduced himself, said he was a libertarian, and uh, a year later, he's our new affiliate. Yeah, it's so, so, it's so important to get in front of people yep. for those things. It uh, takes the, time. Phone, yeah, and a phone call isn't enough when someone doesn't know you. It really helps to meet them in person, and that's what's going to be happening tomorrow. So Mark and myself will be off the show for two days, but that doesn't mean the Free Talk Live shows stop. We're going to continue bringing you live programming. Those of you who are podcast listeners will continue to get fresh podcasts to download because uh, Julia and Gardner Goldsmith will be hosting both Friday and Saturday night's shows. So it's going to be a good time. We keep the live programming going for you because we know that's what you want. Uh, all right, so 800-259-9231. Again, the AMP line is, or not the AMP line, but the AMP uh, page is amp.freetalklive.com. Get on with the program. Let's go back to John in Ohio. John, you say you're confused. John? John, are you there? John going once? John going twice? Well, anyway, let's talk generally about what John was bringing up, yes. the uh, the alleged shortages that are going on from whatever the cause. I mean, he alleged it was some governments that were causing the shortages uh, oh, to some evil meddling. companies that are government doing meddling it. causes it in this country. You've got the uh, the whole ethanol scandal when they're taking twenty five and now a third of all the um, percent of all the um, eth or all the corn to make ethanol for fuel, and of course that constrains the supply of food because you have to you eat corn, you feed it to uh, chickens, and you feed it to, to cattle. And then this new farm bill. I'm not sure if they passed it yet or not, but I know it does create some disincentives for farmers to grow food. They get paid. Did not produce on their land, basically. So that, uh, so the corn thing's probably that's for sure. Like there that's is a, a shortage. There is a shortage there, and so that is resulting in prices going up. But generally, I haven't really. I mean, I haven't noticed any drastic price increases on any other products out there. I mean, just everything's been going up in price. Corn's a factor there because it's raising. I mean, gas is a major factor there too. Sure, prices fuel. of gas rising. Yeah. But then again, inflation is the real factor. And that's what we should really look at. When you go to the store and you put things in your shopping cart and you perceive that they're more expensive, it may actually be that they're not more expensive. It just appears that way because of the hidden costs of inflation. In case you don't know what that is, Wayne, why don't you explain briefly? Well, it's when they increase the money supply and prices go up. But prices don't go up because, or in other words, a lot of people say that when prices go up, that's inflation. No, that's the uh-uh. symptom. Nope. It's not the cause. The cause is increasing the money supply relative to the number of goods and services available. That's the Austrian definition. Exactly. And what happens here is that all the currencies around the world right now are being debased, some worse than others. In the United States, we, it's been pretty bad. It's in they the cranked Euro- it up, man. They, I, I feel been, like they've really increased the, uh, the inflation rate, especially since they hid the M3 numbers recently. Yes, and, and we were talking about John Williams a few days ago, who has privately compiled M3, and it's growing at around 18% now. Oh, wow. And it was growing at like 9% when they stopped reporting it, so it's doubled. So is that, I mean, is that basically what he's suggesting inflation is, is 18%? Well, no, because that's the broadest measure of the money supply. So they usually dial it back a few points because of... of, uh, So at least 10% then. 
Yeah, I probably, probably more even more than that. I 12, would think, 13 maybe. So it depends. it's all speculation. Yeah. But the fact is, you can see it in the rising prices, where you know you can't buy things for a dime anymore. You can't get things at the prices you used to be able to get them at. I mean, I used to like the idea of getting ninety nine cent a pound cherries at the store, but good luck finding them that cheap ever again. You know. I saw somebody wrote an interesting article about about gasoline. And in the old days, you know, you could buy gasoline for a quarter, the real quarter, the old quarter, mm-hmm. the silver quarters. Well, a quarter of an ounce of silver will still buy a gallon of gasoline today. Sure. So, so basically, what you're pointing out is that even though you look at the price tag and you see, oh, the price has gone up, that doesn't mean that in comparison to other products, the price has gone up. The that's price, in dollars that's right. gone up. So if the price of everything is going up, then the price, the actual cost hasn't really gone up as far as in comparison to other products. It has to you because you're, you have not got, gotten raises that are appropriate to inflation. So everyone's always behind the ball when it comes to inflation because nobody, even those who get cost of living increases, they are not getting inflation-sized cost of living increases, the true value of inflation. They're getting less than that. So, yes, prices are going up, and, yes, it is getting more difficult to buy things, and it's because they keep printing more new money. Out and the money goes to fund things like the war in Iraq and other wasteful programs. Let's continue here. We've got uh, short on time, but enough time for Stephen in Colorado. You're on Free Talk Live, Stephen. Hello, Stephen. Going once. Stephen in Colorado. Going twice. Stephen. Stephen's gone. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So, um, did did we miss anything there, Wayne? Yes, prices are going up. But it's not because of greedy corporations. It's because of the government's manipulation of the money supply in the economy. Yep. It's yep. because of government regulation. There have been some stories of food riots in, in other countries, too. Mm. Uh, and again, a lot of it has to do with the manipulation of, of the money supply, the manipulation of, of the, even the food. But um, we have a fuel problem right now. We have a liquid fuel problem in this world that's going to not go away immediately. And and the the ethanol thing is basically trying to prop up the liquid fuel supply, so that we don't have a breakdown in the economy. And of course, we've gotten caught with our pants down yet again because we haven't uh, taken we haven't let the marketplace work to develop alternatives, which could have been developed 20 years ago when we had the, mm. the crisis in the 70s. Yeah, we are stuck in the 70s as far as the fuel production capability of this country because the government has regulated businesses, the fuel businesses, to say you can't build new refineries. In fact, I heard, I think I heard that South Dakotan voters voted to build a new refinery. So I don't know how that's going to work in the conflict, uh, you know, in conflict with the feds. I don't think the feds are going to like that very much. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, it's been Ian here with you. And Wayne. Back tomorrow night. Online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 